Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Goldcast. Now, we are very lucky. We're in a wonderful position here on the Goldcast where Raymond and I are lucky enough that thousands of people subscribe to the podcast every single month. It's incredible. We're very grateful. But having said that, we want all of you to join us on YouTube at youtube.com. Plenty of room for more. Goldcast. Plenty of room for more. That's right. We want you to join us on youtube.com slash the goldcast. Go check us out on the videos. Check us out, check us out, check us out, check us out. And Raymond, let them know what other social media platform we have returned to. We have also returned to Twitter at the underscore goldcast. And we've also returned to, nope. We haven't returned to that. We haven't returned to anything. No, we're there. I, I, that's not the one I, I'm talking about. Instagram. Oh, we've returned to Instagram <laughs> <laughs> at the Goldcast. We've uh, we're also on Spotify, Twitch, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that podcasts are syndicated. You can actually find our Goldcast in the, in the entire five year library, all at the same moniker of the Goldcast. The only different, the only platform that has a different moniker is tw uh, Twitter because some there's some idiot on there that has, says the Goldcast. <laughs> but I don't think he's ever even used it. It's an, like it's an it inactive enough. account. But an inactive account. We have the yeah. Goldcast on everything. Yeah. Except so once we grow and get a blue check mark, we can actually uh, we can petition for that. Uh, yeah, I'm stealing that, that back. We're taking that back. So That's at ours. the Goldcast, everywhere that you listen to podcasts or on social media, that is where we are. But Instagram, we are active. We are fresh. We are live over there. Check out our stories. Add them to yours. Follow us. Message us. We get a lot of uh, comments and new sharing on Instagram as well as uh, YouTube and Twitter and all the like, too. So we love when the fans interact with us. It's really fun. We get a lot of amuse uh, get a lot of enjoyment out of that. And it's also amusing, too, when we poke fun at things that happen either for or against the Niners. But at the same time, more importantly, subscribe, like, comment, because we want to get your take on a very pivotal week five. This is this is very pivotal. I feel like our season is hanging in the balance right now. And uh, we've got the gauntlet too, one week away. And this team is still pretty banged up, more banged up now than we were even in week one. And so I am very nervous. Raymond thinks his his preseason prediction of fourteen and two has quickly become a in season prediction of ten and six. Either way, let's just hope we can put it all together and be ready in time for the playoffs because that's when it counts the most. And this team, when it's firing on all on all cylinders, is in my opinion one of, if not the best team in the league. So. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah. But here we go. Your professor of fanalism. He's in the building. The greatest fanalist is in the game. Is in the game. Is in the building. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? Are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sister Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solis the First, baby. Boom. Raymond, here we go. Week five. Our goal 
after that week one loss to Arizona was, hey, let's just make sure this team, if this team is sitting at 4-1, and one, by the time the gauntlet comes, we're in good position. The gauntlet, too, as we all know, begins next week with the Rams. And it is literally a cluster of teams. Just everybody, every nightmare team all in a row in an extremely competitive and tough layout. But we wanted to be 4-1 and one going into that game. And then last week happened. And then Nick Mullins did I'm not going to say Nick Shit Mullins things because Nick Mullins when Nick Mullins does Nick Mullins things Ray Nick Mullins balls out and we have a great game and we win. Unfortunately, Nick Mullins did backup QB things is what Nick Mullins did and didn't act like the starter that he's capable of being when he's playing on all cylinders. And unfortunately, we lost. So now going into Week Five. Here I was hoping we'd be three and one. Instead, we're two and two, sitting at the bottom of the NFC West, one week removed from the gauntlet. Two. This is, as you said before, this is a pivotal, pivotal game coming up right here between us and the Philadelphia, uh, the Miami Dolphins. I'm supposed to say the Philadelphia Eagles, the Miami Dolphins. I am very nervous. Um, Let's get into it. I just want you, before we get into the injury report and all the numbers and everything to do, just overall impressions for you going in into this week five. How do you feel? Where are you at confidence-wise? I feel like yeah, we're getting a couple pieces back that I think could really swing the tide, but I feel like this game's going to be close. That's what I feel like because, to be honest, before the Eagles game, what I was projecting, which I'm – now gonna now that we're here you know i thought miami was the scrappiest team out of these four shitty teams you know the jets and the giants are the jets and the giants everyone beats on them and philadelphia i mean carson wentz is statistically the worst quarterback in the nfl and he got by us you know playing doing carson wentz thing things he does when he's typically on his a game and so now we're playing a team that is much more balanced than they are, although still, you know, a subpar team by all accounts. But they're scrappy. They're in almost every game that they play, with the exception of week one against New England. They've been in all these games, and they've won one of them. So they're capable of winning here and coming out two and three. The question is, will they? The question is, will they? That is the question. So let's get into it, Raymond. Let's start going over these numbers and looking at what we're dealing with this week. So this game will be on Sunday, October 11th. It'll be at 4.05 p.m. Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. The Miami Dolphins right now are currently 1-3. and three. San Francisco are 2-2. Two and two. The Miami Dolphins are 1-1. One and one. That's their record uh, away. That's a road record. Our, ro- our home record is 0-2. Oh Home record zero and two. So weird. Not defending is, home. Cardinals and Eagles. Yeah, I know. It's just so weird to see that number. So let's talk about what this is looking at right now. Vegas has us at minus eight point five. We're eight and a half point five favorites. Miami eight and a half point underdogs. And we're looking right here. Uh, let's let's look at the last. There's still. For, I like to use all the numbers off of Fanduel. Fanduel is still kind of overall okay let's look at this season so okay so yeah okay good we do have this season's numbers some of these have not had them lately it's been frustrating so miami is averaging 23 point 
two points per game this season, ranked 24th in the NFL. They are surrendering 24 points per game this season, ranked 12th in the NFL. Averaging 23, surrendering 24. The 49ers are averaging 26.8 points per game this season, which is 11th in the NFL, right underneath Miami. And then San Francisco is surrendering 17.8 points per game this season, which is third in the NFL. Defense is still playing very, very strong. It's the offense that has kind of been really pretty banged up. Even though we've lost Nick Bosa, we've managed to keep the defense pretty competitive, and they have kept us in most of these games. Hopefully, and we're going to talk about it with Raymond. This is where you're going to come in, Raymond. Hopefully, this next game will give us more to be hopeful for because this is, as you said, a crappy, a scrappy, a crappy, a crappy and scrappy team. They really are. Yeah, they're both. That was accurate. <laughs> yeah, they are both. So, but yeah, like I said, this is these are the numbers that we're looking at right here. At, you know, surrendering 17.8, averaging 26.8. Miami surrendering 24, 24 points. Vegas has us as eight and a half favorites. Now, Raymond, let's go to the ever important injury report. What does the injury report say? And here's the real question on everyone's mind. Do we get Jimmy G back? Well, just like I said on Monday's recap episode against the Eagles that I thought Kyle Shanahan and the staff were really going to feel the pressure from this loss and really turn to Jimmy G and start to, you know, I I would expect to see him start this Sunday. And he's had back-to-back limited practices. It's still going to—I think Kyle Shanahan's still going to make a judgment call when it comes to Sunday— but if he has a he remember Jimmy G has to show Kyle Shanahan that he's okay on that ankle and that he can perform. If he can do that and actually become a full participant tomorrow on Friday, then expect to see Jimmy G suit up on Sunday. But he's had back to back limited practices. He's been back into the mix, which is great to see. We also have Raheem Mostert, who's been battling uh, his knee injury. He's been had limited practices in back-to-back days, so good news for him. So if we get Jimmy and Raheem Mostert back, then that gives us a really strong chance of winning on Sunday. And we already know that Kittle's back, and Kittle dominated in his first game back despite it being a losing effort. And we know we think uh, Trent Taylor, he was full practice today. Dante Pettis was a full practice, although what the hell can we expect from him at this point? Dante Johnson and Emmanuel Mosley still not playing, so we're still going to have to deal with the backups in that position. Akella Witherspoon, limited practice today. Even though he's kind of a he's a wild card, sometimes he's great, and sometimes he's most of the time he's not. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say a wild card. It's more like a 60-40 chance he plays shitty or plays inconsistent, I should say. Not shitty because he's not, he's not the worst cornerback in the league, but he's definitely the weakest on our team out, outside of Dante Johnson. But... If he's able to make it, then that'll be good, you know. And we know Colon Williams is out, so he's not going to play. That's unfortunate. And Debo Samuel would, did not participate in practice the last couple games, not related to his previous last injury. Last couple days. Last couple days. Uh, 
and and also didn't play the last couple games. But um, he was also did not practice, but that's because an illness. So uh, key word there, an illness. So once he gets over the illness, he'll probably be a full participant tomorrow, I imagine, and he'll be ready to go on Sunday. So again, Debo, Kittle, Mostert, Jimmy, if all of them are able to play on Sunday, then Miami's going to have a lot of trouble stopping us, particularly in the running game. And once that gets going, because Jack McKinnon has been absolute nails, scored touchdown in every single game this season, he's been amazing. So uh, he's to me, he's definitely in line for comeback player of the year up to this point. In my opinion, I think there's some other candidates to consider too. I would say Alden Smith is on that list, although he's not coming back from an injury, but he's coming back after five years and still playing like dynamite, at least in some of the games I saw him playing. That's sad to see. I'm happy for him. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy for him. I'm sad for us. We, we gave him so many chances to come back. Dallas's defense is garbage too, but Alden Smith is getting sacks. He had like three sacks in one game. <laughs> I mean, obviously you're gonna have to go to you know how about them boys podcast to really you know how about that cast to really yep. get the info about them. But but just a real or the quick ranch on Alden the ranch Smith. cast or the cattleman cast the, yeah the, the cattleman the cast six, shooter six cast. shooters cast yeah. you know how Raymond explain to me how is Alden Smith able to be gone for. Five years and then is able to come back and do what he's doing. This is crazy. Well, I think it's a testament to the fact that not only was, I mean, he Justin Smith was not just a complimentary piece. Alden Smith was also an athletic phenom and he still is. That's, that's all that proves. I mean, Justin Smith was just an icing on the cake because those two were just so dominant on the edges, especially the way Justin Smith would eat up blockers and Alden Smith would just feast. But he, I mean, Alden Smith so far, he's feasting pretty good for a guy who's missed five years when, and he's just an athletic phenomenon. He's just amazing. So kudos to him. I think he's in life. He keeps this up all year long and stays healthy and stays out of trouble. He could get comeback player of the year, but if Jarek McKinnon does the same thing, pretty sure he's going to get it considering the significance of his injury and the fact that he missed two years because of it. So he's amazing. And we know, we know that with Jarek. So in my opinion, based on what we've seen of Jarek McKinnon up to this point, he has solidified his position as, at the very least, minimum number two back, meaning the Tevin Coleman role. Tevin Coleman will move to third position. Tevin Coleman's not even going to play this week. So it's, it's by default, he's in number two position. Raheem Mostert is the lead back. We know that he's the more dynamic back of the two, although Jarek McKinnon is a far better receiving back than Raheem Mostert, although Raheem Mostert can catch two. But I think that Raheem Mostert is a bit more explosive. He's a bit faster. And he, um, he he can read running lanes just a smidge better than Jarek McKinnon. But Jarek McKinnon has made some great reads coming out of the backfield, too. He's got great vision. He's got great running back vision. We saw him make that cutback in the Eagles game and get a huge yardage um, on that one play. And we saw him catch some balls, too. So both of these guys are going to be involved. I expect, even though McKinnon's, you know, his, um, his touches are going to come down with the return of Raheem Mostert, but... He's still going to be involved in the passing game. So even though he's not going to get as many touches on the ground, he's still going to get, I still think he's going to get the same amount of looks through the air. And of course, it's going to be spread spread around just because Kittle's back, Debo's back, Brandon Ayuk is playing well. So Kyle Shanahan really, Kyle Shanahan has a quality problem, which is who the hell do you give the ball to? Because whoever ends up with the ball is a dynamic player which makes this one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL when fully healthy. And so that's what the potential is that we're facing this Sunday. If all of those guys can be on the field at the same time together, even with that, all, that line that's not playing very well right now, 
they can do some serious damage to this Miami defense because the problem with this Miami defense is they get gashed. They get gashed against the run. They get gashed against the pass. And they're not. And where they where they excel is offensively. Ryan Fitzpatrick, for all of, even though he's been mostly inconsistent most of his career, when he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills, he's found some. He's found he's found resurgence. He played well for the Jets and had the 31 touchdowns, 15 uh, picks, and wanted to get paid really well and help that team uh, compete for a playoff spot. And then ended up going to Miami, and now he's a starter here in Miami, and he's doing. You know, he earned the name Fist Magic for a reason because he's got some moxie. He's a bit scrappy. He's good on the ground, and when he's focused, he's pretty accurate with the football. And he's got some decent weapons over there in Miami. He's got you got Miles Gaskin, who's doing pretty good on as, as a running back. To me, the offense is gonna it's running through three positions. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick at the quarterback position, but the two big pieces that the Niners' defense is really gonna have to focus on is. Miles Gaskin and Devontae Parker. Those are really the two pieces that we have to take out of the equation defensively in order to slow down this team because we really want to force, take the running game away from uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and force him to air it out because we want them to be playing from behind. And it's going to be hard to do that all game long. And, you know, they, they got some other weapons. There's Mike Gesecki, the tight end who exploded. Uh, against uh, what was it? That was in a uh, week two, I believe. Um, he put up like th- he put up like thirty five fantasy points. It was a really actually a really good performance by him. But um, you know the the fact is he can he's. I a like threat. how you rank them based on their fantasy points. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we do mix up a little bit of fantasy here in the uh, in the gold cast. But um, Mike Gusecki is actually on my team, although I haven't used him because I have Travis Kelsey. But against Buffalo, (laughs) a division rival who actually struggles against uh, tight end play, he just torched them and shredded them up and ended up scoring, like, yeah, like I said, 35 points. He hasn't done much since then. He did score a touchdown in the next game, but and I don't think he's really going to do much against this team because the Niners, just like Seattle, we actually do really well against tight ends. Tight ends do not have a lot of success against this 49ers defense, and I expect the same thing to happen here. Even though Kawan Williams is not out, you're still going to have to Fred Warner to deal with in coverage. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch, but I really expect Fred Warner to have the upper hand there. Although Mike Gusecki is a very athletic player, but again, this is a team that does very good in tight end coverage and really eliminating that play. So that's just one less weapon that I expect Miami to deal with here. Um, and actually speaking of Miami, as far as health is concerned, um, not too much coming out of them. I mean, they've got some injuries, but Clayton, Kershaw from the Dodgers. Fajeta, f- f- no, no. Although that'd be great. He's dealing. He was a full participant this week. Uh, Kevin Frazier, a safety. He was a full participant. Xavier Howard. He was a full participant. Austin Jackson, a tackle. He did not practice both games. Byron Jones, a full participant. Solomon Kinley, a guard, full part, full practice. Shaq Lawson. Uh, defensive end, limited practice. Devontae Parker, full practice. He will be there on Sunday. Jerm Smythe, uh, tight end, did not practice. No big deal. Mike Gusecki is going to be the guy there. And then Malcolm Perry, uh, a running back wide receiver combo. Uh, he was also dealing with some sicknesses this week and did not participate. He'll probably play on Sunday. Again, not a, not a big uh, puzzle to this piece. We also know that Tua Tagia, uh Valio, I don't know how to say his last name. Tua. Tua, yeah, quarterback. we know that yeah. Tua, the quarterback they drafted, he hasn't really gotten involved. Although not I would, yet. I would not be surprised if they run some RPO with him, you know, just to throw the Niners off. Because again, the tape between Daniel Jones, Kyle Murray, 
and uh, Carson Wentz shows that the Niners are vulnerable against mobile quarterbacks. So you might as well, you have nothing to lose at one and three, throwing Tua out there for some running plays, the same way that uh, New Orleans uses um, Taysom Hill. So I, I would expect to see that. I'm, I'm definitely counting on to see that. But again, I think that, I just think that if, the offense is healthy. We should be fine. The defense will have enough to carry against a mediocre team like this. It's against the other above 500 teams where the defense is really, I think, going to struggle and the offense is going to have to carry us. It's going to become the reverse against these shitty teams. The defense will have no problem carrying us and then the offense will just kind of steamroll the defenses. But once we get to the better teams in the gauntlet, it's going to be the reverse. So the offense is most likely going to have to carry us. We'll be playing from behind or playing in seesaw shootout battles. But uh, that's, you know... We'll get to those previews in the coming weeks, but for now, the focus is Miami, and I think Miami is beatable. So I think Miami is beatable, but let's talk about the things that I'm worried about, the things that make me nervous. I am really worried about Jimmy G's health as he goes out there. I'm sure he's going to say he's fine and that he's going to believe that he's capable of playing. I am nervous. I am nervous because that offensive line did not look good. They looked great two weeks ago. Against the Giants, they looked they they really buckled down after Jimmy got hurt. But then last week against the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, they were making them look at sometimes like the '85 Bears out there. And so I'm nervous about this offensive line. I'm nervous about their ability to keep Jimmy upright. And if he cannot stay upright, what is that going to mean for his ankle? The last thing I want is for that injury to get aggravated or worse, become something that takes him out for more games. Or don't really want to put this out there, but something season ending was what I don't want. We lose Jimmy G, you can kiss the season goodbye. You could just Right. Well, the offensive line is going to have to deal with uh, you know, uh Kyle Van Noy, the linebacker who's got two sacks uh so far this season and they're going to have to deal with Emmanuel Ogda, the defensive end. So th- those are really the two big pressure pushers on this on this uh Miami front, or this Miami defense, I should say. You know, other guys have been contributed sacks too but when you look at the, the sack sheets uh, the the stat sheets Kyle Van Noy and Emmanuel Ogba are really the anchors that are doing a, a great deal of the damage not only in yards sack the the yards but also TFLs they're get they're getting in the backfield and slowing down running games out there but again this is a team that you know if they're not giving up 21 points a game they're giving up 30 plus points a game and they're going up against you know one of the more high-powered scoring offenses in the NFL last week, of course, was a fluke. I don't know if I guess that's a trap game or just a fact of the. I don't. Well, I take it back. I wouldn't call it a trap. I wouldn't game. call it a trap game because the know. injuries are just too overwhelming, and obviously we couldn't overcome that. I believe that's what it really came down to was just injuries and just not and just not executing. The people who were there just and, and didn't execute. The offensive line just really pissed me off last week. But and you have a legitimate concern. And there's two guys on this team that can really wreak havoc. This team has only generated nine sacks so far this year. So, I mean, they're not exactly— The loss of Nick Bosa has been felt. It has. It's definitely been felt. Eric Armstead is not necessarily carrying the load very well, and that's no fault of his own. It's just that when he's getting double-teamed, in a lot of cases, he's still getting lots of pressures, though. I mean, if you look at the stat sheet in terms of pressures, he's still getting there, forcing quarterbacks, flushing them out of the pocket. But the point is, when you're dealing with mobile quarterbacks, they're still able to make plays and keep plays alive with their feet outside the pocket. It's, you know, if, if we were dealing with a lot of, you know, traditional pocket passers, I think Eric Arnstead would have, you know, some better, sa- some more sacks under his belt on the stat sheet. 
but that's not the case, and it's not going to be the case against Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick is more po- of a pocket passer than any of the quarterbacks we face up to this point, but he's still capable of moving around if he has to. So here's my next question, Raymond. Let's talk about this defense, and let's talk about who you want to see. What are your concerns with this particular defense now that we've seen them several weeks removed from Nick Bosa? In this post-Nick Bosa era, what do you want what where are your concerns? What are the where are the holes that are inside this defense that you think Miami could exploit? The run. You know, the Niners don't do well against the run. We do well against the pass, but we're not doing well against the run. And if they're able to establish the run, that's going to keep their drives alive. If Ryan Fitzpatrick decides to run and is able to get positive yardage when pray, when a play breaks down, for example, in a coverage sack scenario, then I think that that's going to keep plays alive. He's not the formidable runner that a Carson Wentz or a Kyler Murray or even a Daniel Jones is, but you know, or or even uh, Sam Darnold for that matter. But he can run a little bit. I just don't think. To me, he's not the big running threat. If they put Tua in there no. and start to mix it up with some RPO or Wildcat then, yeah, I think that can give us trouble. And, you know, if, if I was the coach, I would certainly run that stuff. To You just mix things up, keep the defense honest, and give us a chance to win. Because it doesn't matter how you get that first down as long as you just get that first down. Especially if the defense is able to take out, you know, weapons like Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki and forcing Fitzpatrick to just not, you know, not go to his, his usual weapons. So he's going to have to spread the ball around and against players that are not all that great in, in terms of, of, of his options. So that, that's going to leave them vulnerable for turnovers, pass deflections, and sacks. So we'll just have to see how that works. But, I mean, to me, the run is where we're vulnerable because we don't do well against mobile quarterbacks or, you know, or the run in general. You know, but, but I think this team... I don't know. I expect this team, you know, Miles Gaskin is not necessarily lighting up the stat sheet, but you know, he's a serviceable back. They also have Matt Breida back there too, who knows his team very well. So you don't, don't be surprised if we see a little bit of him. Miami hasn't used him very much so far this season, but I wouldn't be surprised if they wheel him out and give us a little taste of our own medicine in terms of Matt Breida. But Matt Breida is a fumbler. So if he does get in there, um, I think there's a really good chance he gives up the ball. All right, Raymond, now, this is your favorite segment of the evening. Who are the players you are going to be looking out for and that you want the gold cast to pay attention to? Well, number one is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. How's his footwork out of shotgun? And more importantly, how's his footwork from under center? Is, you know, because under center requires more steps in the drop back process. Shotgun, a little bit more comfortable, will be a little bit easier on his ankle for him and you know less time for him to get set set up for throws so and then of course the other one too as much as i love me some Jarek mckinnon i really think the one to watch is also raheem moster if raheem almost gets back how does he look with his knee is he going to still have the explosion is he going to still be able is he, is he going to pick up right where he left off you know george kittle is the one anomaly where it's like i don't have to worry about him getting back into the saddle and just doing George Kittle things. Cause he's just, he's just got that mentality and you, you trust that confidence so much because it's reliable. He's reliable. He's consistent and he backs up, you know, he backs it up every time. So that, that would be my two uh, picks on offense. I like those picks. I agree with those picks. Uh, my, 
I will feel happy with Raheem Mostert if he breaks off for a 60 to 90 yard run. If he just on does the one first play, uh, yeah. As long <laughs> yeah. as he gets one of those, then we're good. That's all I need from him. Just give me one, and he's he's great at that. Raymond, now let's move over to defense. Who are the two you want to see step up, and who you want to keep your eye on on defense? Defense, gosh, you know. Kerry Hyder's been awesome. Two and a half sacks, three and a half totally. TFLs. I really like what I'm seeing out of him. Eric Armstead is another one, and DJ Jones has been great. Two sacks, three TFLs as well. I'm actually going to go Fred Warner this game. I'm going to go Fred Warner, and then I'm also going to go Iron Man with Jimmy Ward because these are the two big anchors in the backfield, and I expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to be throwing more. I expect this Miami offense to be throwing more than running because I really do think, even though we're vulnerable against a run, that we're going to be able to handle this team's running game, which means that they're going to be forced to be one-dimensional, which means that the linebackers and secondary are really going to be tasked with taking care of, of that job. And I think that Jimmy Ward is going to have some flashes, and I think Fred Warner is going to... Jimmy Fred Warner's going to have I think he's going to have another pick in this game you know uh that's that's what I see Fred Warner's just playing at a Pro Bowl level right now and he's arguably one of the best middle linebackers in the entire league next to a couple other candidates but uh right now he's playing solid football right now and he's so good at keeping himself healthy and just being in the right spot at the right time whether it's the run or the pass so I expect to see him do some big things in this game so as far as defense is concerned I've got my eyes on Fred Warner and Jimmy Ward, a.k.a. Iron Man. I love it. I have my eye on one player, and that's Javon Kinlaw. We saw two weeks ago him really step up. I wanted to see him last week. Didn't have quite the impact that I was looking for. This is your week, Javon Kinlaw. This is your week to come back and make it happen. Show us why we drafted you first in the draft, and I believe he can do it. I have all the faith in him. He's still getting his feet underneath him. It's not like this is just going to be, you know, you don't very rarely do players just step on even top top draft picks. It takes them some weeks. We've seen some flashes. I want to see the consistency starting right. to build. Yep. I am a fan from when I see him get a sack. See him sack Fitzy. Yeah. I you know, I from what I've seen from him when he's on, very exciting. Keep up the great work. Keep getting more consistent. That's what I want to see on defense. Javon Kinlaw. That's a good one. Yeah. I and mean, he's got nine tackles on the season. He's got two pass deflections. So he's been utilizing that size to disrupt plays any way he can. If he's not getting sacks, he's at least disrupted a couple passes this season. So we'll see if he's able to capitalize on that. And I'm, I would love to see him get a sack, especially against Fitzmagic, because Fitzmagic is not an easy quarterback to bring down. No, I would love to see that too. All right, Raymond, final score. Vegas has us at eight and a half favorites. What do you think the final score is going to be? So this one, I think, is actually going to be more similar to your prediction last week, something along the lines of 31-21, something like that. I think Miami is going to play really well in the first half, but I think that the Niners are actually going to be able to pull away um, convincingly in the second half. And again, this is you know predicated on, on the assumption that you know, Jimmy and Raheem Mostert are going to play this Sunday al along with our other weapons that have come back. Debo Kittle, for example, too, and just compliment everyone else, McKinnon and McKinnon and Ayuk. 
So that's that's where that's coming from. That's where that score prediction is coming from. If the, if Jimmy and Raheem don't play, then gosh, you know, 24-17, maybe 21-17. I expect it to be a lot closer. So I am actually am going to go on the under on this one. I expect this to be a lot closer, even with all those guys together. They're all still they're all coming off some pretty banged up weeks, some months. Uh, for some players, it's been months, and I think that this team is going to take a little while to gel. I still expect a higher scoring affair, more of a shootout, if you will. I'm going to go with 28-24. Raymond takes the over on Vegas. I take the under, and that is it. What say you, Goldcast Nation? Let us know at youtube.com slash the Goldcast. Who do you think is going to win, by how many points, and who are the players to watch out for? Let us know at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Goldcast. And we'll be back next week to recap this game. And guess what? The return of our boy, our third host, our esteemed co-host, Candlestick Will. He is <laughs> yeah. coming back. Candlestick Will. <laughs> now, see... None of you guys get that joke yet, but you'll get it when you see the video because <laughs> they haven't seen the video yet, but you'll get it when you see the video. Uh, we are going to be doing a fun kind of evergreen episode. Candlestick Will wanted to do a uh, bottle wine team, so we are going to be putting together our a 49ers team comprised of players from basically the last 40 years, from the Bill Walsh era on. We're going to be comprising a team. So, uh, for instance, maybe it's 94 Young, or maybe it's 87 Montana, or maybe it's 2012 Cap at quarterback. Who knows? But we're going to do that. Then we pick. We just pick our best players and the best year that they had, and we take as a Niner, and we take that guy and we put him on the team, and we create our bottle wine. 49ers team it should be a really fun episode we're actually going to be building it over the weekend and we will unleash it on you next week the return as promised of our boy candlestick will he's coming back we cannot wait we know you guys miss oh him. yeah you finally get to see the face of candlestick will with that nice calm very calm chill voice you finally get to see the face behind it it's awesome so we have that all coming next week and so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time, same Gold Cast channel. This is, is the Gold Cast.